Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one, you have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. Today, I have a fantastic guest for you. This gentleman works internationally as a professional speaker and consultant in the area of sales and negotiation, using some of the latest findings from the world of neuroscience to help us sell more effectively to our customers. He's spoken in over 30 countries and his client list includes some of the world's largest and most successful companies. He has a master's degree in psychology and is the best-selling author of five books that have been endorsed by a host of business leaders, including multi-billionaire business legend Michael Dell. When he's not working, he seems to do some properly crazy and some people might say stupid things like diving under ice and walking through fire and across glass and then completing physical challenges that even the Royal Marine Commandos find difficult. Please welcome... Simon Hazeldean. Simon, nice to see you. Yeah, hello, James. How are you doing? Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. So you you do the fan dance and other crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, I'm a bit mad, I think. That's what it is, you know? <laughs> Isn't that it? <laughs> for those of people who don't know, the fan dance is a, is a, is a very long march through the Breckens. Is that right? It's- yeah, 16, 16 miles up and down Penny Fan Mountain carrying a 35-pound Bergen. It's the, it's the first stage of Special Air Service, the UK Special Forces uh, selection. And it's uh, the events run by ex-members of the regiment who I think of, you know, have these latent psychopathic tendencies. Um, and they, right. they, 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 if, if they haven't got anybody to inflict them on, I think, you know, they, they choose members of the public. And so <laughs> it, it's a great event. It's, it's, it's a good challenge and it raises some money for some, you know, some, uh, you know, um, military, military charities and things like that. So, but yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough old, uh, tough old day. <laughs> well, I, I can just, I, I watch people do that and I think, Good on you. <laughs> that looks like a, a hell of a thing to do. So, what's what when you talk about neuroscience and and helping people sell more effectively? What does that mean? Well, we've we've learned more about the human brain probably in the last five, maybe to ten years than we have in the whole of human history. You know, because of things like you know fMRI scanning, etc., allows us to see mm-hmm. you know what's happening, blood blood flow in the brain, etc. And and. It almost feels like almost every week, you know, neuroscientists are uncovering something more that kind of helps us to understand how how the brain functions. And obviously, for me, as someone who works in the area of sales performance, sales sales transformation, you know, it's the brain that basically is making the decision to buy. So what I'm fascinated by is what can we learn from neuroscience that we can then apply in order to mm-hmm. sell most successfully to the brain inside our, our customer's head. Um, okay. And so I, I collaborated with a guy called Dr. Colin Wallace, who's, who's an expert in applied neuroscience. So he was, Colin was sort of my technical advisor when I did, did my latest book, uh, NeuroCell, how neuroscience can power your sales success. Um, right. And found some, you know, some fascinating things in there. 
um, around you know the the sheer amount of emotional uh, processing and emotional influence that there is on on decision making. So right. you know, unless someone is feeling comfortable. Um, they are not likely to make any purchase. So they've got to be comfortable with the salesperson. They've got to be comfortable with what they're hearing. And that kind of just proves what you and I and, and people who've been, have been around the world of sales for some time know about the importance of rapport and, and relationship. But it is good, mm-hmm. it's good to get it kind of scientifically um, backed up and proven. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's a real area of, um, of fascination for me on an ongoing basis. Isn't there a quote for, I think it was Brian Tracy who said, we, we buy with emotion and justify with logic. Is that yeah. kind of it, yeah, bringing the, some science to that? There's, there's some data I, I, I quote, I think, almost in the, in the first or second chapter that, that a journalist who'd been interviewing neuroscientists sort of summarized that 95% of sort of human cognition, decision-making, et cetera, is, is influenced by the more emotional and unconscious regions of the brain with as little as 5% being coming from, say, like the prefrontal cortex where more rational, rational analytical processing takes place. That's, right. a, that's a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal percentage difference, you know. Does it switch? Does it turn, you know, from, does it go to the, the logical side increase after purchase? Or is that, is, I'm, I'm thinking kind of buyer's remorse <laughs> and things like that, but is it? Yeah, well, yes. And I, th- I think, you know, potentially, yeah, there's no, I, I don't think I've got any specific evidence that that, that happens, but there is certainly, um, you know, so there's no specific research that's been done on that. But certainly, if we looked at more manip- manipulative forms of mm-hmm. selling that perhaps take place in certain industries or the way certain people do, where they will really focus on inflaming the emotional center of the brain and using some of those manipulative kind of tactics, mm-hmm. that is probably when buyer's remorse, when that part of the brain, when the emotional region of the brain is very active or overstimulated, the more rational areas don't, don't function as effectively. Okay. So, and then I think when that calms down, probably what is happening is the, the, the more rational cortex starts to function more effectively mm-hmm. and you probably go, oh, wow, I probably didn't need that, you know, that TV. I think in a, like Black Friday, yeah. you know, yeah. where you know, otherwise as far as we're able to tell, rational human beings are kind of fighting almost have literally been fighting in certain cases, you know. Um, uh, but that, that to some degree, you know, that, that, that is also the work of uh, Professor Robert Cialdini, yep. um, which I'm you know, sure you're familiar with. That's the combination of scare, perceived scarcity yep. of the television um, and social proof. Everyone else is running at it, so I must run mm. at it. Um, and then I think what's happening is the emotional center of the brain is becoming overactive and people start behaving in a kind of a pretty irrational manner. It's great for the retailer. Uh, I'm not sure what it does for the rest of us and for society, but it's just isn't it just an extension of the old, you know, the end of season sale? Yeah, and it, you know, and it's and I think what is definitely happening is, um, which I think is a big shift in the way people are are buying, is that people are becoming more, I think, more sussed to that. Um, more cynical about those sort of marketing things and it's starting obviously because of the amount of information available on the internet you can do more research yeah. and that's yeah. definitely definitely what's happening in sales you know um b2b buyers i think that this i was i was running a, a, a value selling program yesterday and quoted a couple of bits of, of data one is b2b buyers are now 50 57 percent of the way through their buying process before they want to see a salesperson 
and I think it's 84, right. 84% of senior buyers use social media as part of their buying process. So people are conducting mm-hmm. a lot more research before interacting with, with any form of salesperson. Yeah, it's uh, you know if you look at your own your own life, I guess I've been looking at cars recently, and you know by the time you go into a showroom, you know what you want. It's just uh, just a matter of deciding whether you're going to have it or not. B two B, that's a sort of going the same way almost. Yeah, I was, I was with a friend of mine um, at, the, at the weekend who works in in the automotive industry, and he told me the data now is people visit on average one point two dealerships before they buy. Well, previously they would see a lot. Basically Mm. what they're doing is they're doing those visits, in inverted commas, online first. Yeah, and, yeah. And, they're, and they're coming in, and that is certainly in terms of um, <clears throat> in terms of where B two B buying is going, is it's being very heavily influenced by people's B two C buying experience because all B two B customers are B two C customers in their own private lives. And, yeah. You know the service provision, you know the an incredible speed of people like Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the incredible logistics that they have underpinning that that allows them to offer a very very rapid service. I think that's putting going to be putting pressure on a lot of B two B businesses to kind of you're not going to be able to give the same experience, but to be getting as close to that experience as you possibly can. It's uh, it's something a lot of people are talking about at the moment, and I, I find it fascinating the Amazon effect, um, and it, and it filters right through. If I look at my um, if I look at my kids who are who are ten and twelve. Um, they expect everything instantly. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, they get that. I mean, in most of what they want in their lives, which is, you know, consuming media or whatever it might be, they don't have the fun of waiting to Christmas for their movie to come out. They watch it now, and if it's not available now, they get, you know, a bit worried about why not, you know, why is yeah. the internet working, Dad? And I'm going, oh, I don't know, it just comes out the wall. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, so, so when, when you've got kids growing up that way, um, it's no small wonder that the, the world is constantly moving toward a right now and and right now perfectly. Um, yeah, and I mean, Amazon Amazon certainly reinforces that, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. With the prime, you know, I, I was flying out to work with a client in um, in the USA a couple of weeks ago, and um, on 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 I was flying uh, sort of first thing Sunday Sunday morning from Heathrow, mm-hmm. and um, on Saturday I was on Amazon buying a book. And I, it was 11 a.m. Saturday morning, and I mm-hmm. and it was it wasn't it wasn't a mainstream wasn't a particularly mainstream title. It was reasonably niche, and I thought, oh, it'd be nice to have this for the flight because I've got an eight-hour flight. But I thought, well, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And as I go through the order process, it says, well, if you order if you order now or before 12, you can have it today. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, really? You know? And I, so I press the order and go, oh, well, you know. And then yeah. 6 p.m., this yeah. book drops through my letterbox, and that is. You know, and it's uh, it's two hours in major cities now. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, mean, I live in rural Oxfordshire, and I can get limited things delivered instantly. But um, yeah. I, can, you know, if I wanted paper for my printer, it comes today. And I think, right, well, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it is. Uh, it is. And, and that, that. But that knock on into into B two B must be be difficult for some businesses to to cope with, or to, to or to certainly to to hold their head above water when others have got the you know the logistics capacities or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's it's, it's certainly putting <clears throat> certainly putting a tough service service and, and and sales environment in people's in people's way. There's no there's no two ways about it. Um, 
but you know there's nothing you're going to do to be able to stop it so you're either going to have to rise to the challenge or i think your business will will suffer as a result i think the speed and the availability are, are absolutely critical certainly some research from vodafone um <clears throat> i think i saw the last version probably about three years ago, they had conducted a survey of businesses. And if, I, if I'm correct here, I'm probably not quoting the, the exact language, but it was if, if as a business owner you left a message with a printing company, like a local printer for a, for a quotation or something, how mm-hmm. long would you wait for them to respond before you would go somewhere else? And I think when they first started doing the research, it was kind of a couple of days and the mm-hmm. last time I saw the research, it was down to hours. Really? Um, and to your comment about your sons, the younger the respondent, the less time they were prepared to wait. Right. Which I think is the, you know, my son has certainly grown up. He's was well, 20, 22. So he's, he's kind of grown up with that, you know, the world at your fingertips. And it's definitely influencing the way those people, and also those of us of older generations, <clears throat> you know, uh, we're big Amazon fans in our house. You know, we, we they, they get a they get a first look of our household spend. It's got to be said, you know. Oh, uh, do you know what? I, I I start to worry about the amount of cardboard that comes through my business, my my mm. home. So I say at my business, but my home, it's um, it's quite nuts. Um, but it is uh, it is also a very nice thing that you can do these things very quickly and very easily. Um, and I I think the speed of life is um. In, people people moan about it, but it's uh, convenience is a wonderful thing in in lots and lots of ways. I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of it. You know, it's um, it was uh, amusingly it was probably about a couple of years ago or something, and I got a phone call from from uh, the, the the bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't normally phone, you know. Yeah. And this guy said, "Oh, we, you know, we'd like to invite you in." I think they're kind of producing these premium like black accounts or something where you get. You know, you pay a fee and you get uh, some sort of concierge service and, and you know, right. travel you know travel insurance. It's like a premium bank account. And the guy said, we'd like to invite you to come into the branch, you know, do a review so we can kind of explain. And I can, I can remember distinctly saying, I, I paused and I went, come into the branch. <laughs> As in physically, this, this guy goes, yeah, you know, like, and, and I imagine some guy in marketing has gone, let's make this a very special premiumy sort of service. But I'm just yeah. going, I mean, I don't live far out of town. You know, we live in a village, and, and you know, um, where we're a few miles out. But I've got to drive uh-huh. in, park, walk to the, you know, and I'm like. <laughs> Can't we do it over the phone? Because oh no, we'd really like to, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it was blessed, you know. It's probably a great yeah. idea. They're trying to differentiate themselves, but they they definitely talked to the wrong person, you know. Oh, like- but you know, I, I talk to a lot of my clients about that sort of thing, and you know, they they talk about their clients come to them and what wonderful. And I'm saying, why are your clients coming to you? Yeah. Why are you not going to them? I mean, you know, if they're important, what, what, you know, where is the service element of making someone get in the car, come into town, park up, spend some money on parking, and visit you while you're doing them a favour? Um, yeah. It's an interesting mix of mindset, but uh, yeah, going to a, a branch, I don't even know where a branch of my bank would be. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I know where mine is because it, it's been my my bank since I was sixteen, but and it's not moved. But that's the only, that's it. I cannot remember the last time I've been. I seriously cannot remember the last time I've been in. So um, that that's the kind of changes I think people are going to have to. You're going to have to be ahead of the curve on this. Um, it's it's got a long way to go as well. I think. I think it's um, you know we're we're at the start of a wave at the moment of this stuff and. Um, 
where it goes next is going to be quite interesting. It's going to, and a lot of businesses need to be very, very agile to cope. Um, and and we're going to see businesses disappear. And it's, yeah, um, very, very much you know, I was talking to someone before they were, you know, mourning the loss of Woolworths on the high street. And I said to them, well, you know, it didn't matter a damn to me. I've never been in one and I'm never going to. So, you know, and if, I, if I'm if i not using it no. and I'm just, you know, Joe Bloggs, then, then these things just disappear. Well, we, we um, I have a, I'm, um, this is a little bit of a plug inadvertently, um, have a, have a podcast sales, sales chat show, saleschatshow.com. And we did an episode, we were in the studio <clears throat> last week and, you know, the episode was our salespeople and endangered species. Right. Um, and to a degree at the more transactional end, yes, is the answer. Um, and mm. and uh, um, I'm a sort of a, um, an alumni of uh, Loughborough University, and in the in the uh, university magazine, they had a professor um, talking about sales in an article on sales, and you know, saying that complex high end B two B will probably be still a need for for salespeople more. But at the other mm. end, right, absolutely not, because. I think some of the retailers d- d- delivered very little additional value from their salespeople. They're very transactional in nature, so therefore I can just yeah. buy if I can just buy transactionally online easier. You know, actually physically having to interact with a salesperson is actually more of a, a hindrance and, uh, than a help to me. You know, so uh, uh, what a shame! I, I know there's a, a chain of uh, of. Uh, Clothing stores recently that I saw have have, have got a, a new thing where you either pick up a, a green um, bag or a red bag, and if you carry around the green bag, it means you'd like someone to help you, and if you carry around the red bag, it means I don't want any help. Thank you very much. Interesting. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm not sure I like that. I, I like the fact that it allows you to make a choice, but I don't see why someone shouldn't say to you, "Hi, can I help you today?" Yeah. And you say to them, "Look." No thanks. I'm just having a look. <laughs> so yeah. It doesn't need to be quite as blatant. A minute ago, while we were talking earlier, you mentioned manipulative selling, and it's something that I find quite quite interesting. What's the difference between influencing and manipulating in a sales environment? Yeah, now that that's an interesting interesting question. Um, <clears throat> there, are, there are probably um, there are probably a, a couple of ways of looking at it. Um, I, I, a guy called Dave Lacani mm-hmm. wrote a book, yeah. Persuasion, an American guy. Um, and I, I, I really liked it. I think the way, if I'm, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm accurately um, recalling what he said. His view was that the only difference between persuasion and manipulation was intent. So right. <clears throat> was the intent to help the person. That the actual, uh, you know, the, potentially the tactics or strategies that might be used mm-hmm. Are, are are quite similar. Um, I think that's that's one that's one kind of perspective on it. Um, I tend to view sales as the process of helping the customer to make a good buying decision. Yeah. Um, and and hopefully um, I'm able to position what I offer or my company as as a good as a good decision for them to make. Mm-hmm. I guess if it's if you uh, sales process is kind of overriding um, their ability to make a good and informed decision through pressure or psychological tactics, you know, then then that's probably moving into the area of manipulation. I guess the acid test is is afterwards how happy is the customer with the with the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, on an ongoing basis. And, you know, manipulation can succeed in the short term. But I would say I don't think it succeeds in the long term. 
and also anyone who indulges in it particularly in the age of social media is in, in danger of having their reputation tarnished pretty savagely and, and correctly so you know mm-hmm. the certain certain industries are still behaving in a very old school manipulative manner you know it's, it's a long time since i bought double glazing but it was, but it was you know it's probably probably 16 years ago uh-huh. um, i hope they've improved but they tried the full-on nonsense manipulation all the way through yeah it's it's Um, almost become a cliche hasn't it um you know timeshare and 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 double glazing Um, and then the last time i bought a car which was probably three three and a bit years ago we we were on the receiving end of a of a very blatant scarcity close mm -hmm. at one stage you know we had agreed to purchase um we put down a deposit and that's kind of on a Friday. And my wife was going away for the weekend, and my wife was sort of dealing with the. She does in our house and in our business deals with the finances. Mm-hmm. So we said that we'll, you know, we'll we'll reconnect with you Monday, and um, and and we'll, you know, deals done. And we got some very disappointing. You know, they were trying to get hold of my wife on a mobile phone over the weekend because the sales manager was pressuring the salesperson allegedly yeah. to make sure we were going to be going ahead because someone else was looking at it. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, we agreed <laughs> what we're doing here, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I let them have it with both barrels because I got a phone call from my wife saying. You know, she was she was away for the weekend with her friends. You know, I'm having like yeah. relaxing, relaxing weekend with her, with her, with her girlfriends, and uh, she was getting this sales guy harassing her, thinking, "What the hell are you?" You know, he nearly lost the sale on the back of it because my emotional centre of my brain became overly stimulated. Do you know what, though, <laughs> if it was me and it wasn't that, you know, if the if the option was to go to a different dealer and buy the same thing, goodbye. Um, you know, it's, uh, it was close. Yeah. It, it was only because I'd invested a reasonable amount of time in, you know selecting the car and and you know ready to go ahead that you know but it was it was it teetered i was there i was almost same as we you would have you know the same way you were going to respond to it so yeah and it's it, I, I like what you, you you said there about um about intent i think if you if your business is set to help people and to do a good job for the long term you end up with a very good business if you help people make yeah. good decisions which are good for them and also good for you then everything rolls on nicely yeah i mean my business model is a repeat business. We're mourning with large corporates, so because of, because of the scale, etc. And probably eighty to ninety percent of my business every year is repeat business from clients that we have an ongoing, long term relationship with. You can't you can't manipulate that. When you've done the sale yeah. and everybody's happy, and you know, obviously, then then there's the after sale process and the service that comes with that. Can you automate that? Is that something that you can put a system behind, or or do you think it has to be more personal than than than, than standard for everybody? I think it absolutely depends on what sort of business you have got, um, and I think that you know, I would say if you can automate and you are comfortable that the automation process works slickly. You know, I mean, Amazon will be will be best-in-class example of, you know, that whole process mm-hmm. is automated, and they do it exceptionally well. But obviously, we're talking about a different scale of business. Um, but I think there is there is an opportunity, you know, in a world of automation to still make sure you're putting a personal touch in there that makes you different and makes you stand mm-hmm. out from your competition. It depends. I mean, obviously, I'm in a consultancy, you know, consultancy training, speaking kind of business. There's a lot of personal contact. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that is, that, you know, the, the opportunities for me regarding automating that are, are limited. Um, but, yeah, there are definitely, you know, you put in systems and things that help the customer to make sure they get what they want and to, you know, that the payment process is simple and straightforward. And, you know, just basically making sure that everything is as easy as possible for the customer because, you know, I, I, my first boss, um, you know, when I went into a, a proper sales job, as in, you know, with a, with a proper company, uh, uh, a, big, mm-hmm. a big FMCG company, and um, I, w- I was looking after distributors, and he basically said to me, you know, the last two days of every month, you need to keep clearing your diary because that's when you go out and get the money. Because this right. was back in the day, we used to go around and get checks. You know, direct debit, direct debit was <laughs> yeah. in its infancy. Um, uh-huh. That's how old I am. Um, and I, I can remember. Oh, I feel older and older every day. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember sort of saying indignantly, "So I have to go and get the money." And he said, "Yeah, because a sale isn't a sale till the money's in the bank." And I've never, I've never forgotten it as a principle. So. What you do have to do is make sure your after sales and your delivery is is spot on. So um, somebody quoted to me years and years ago some, I think, Gallup or Mori survey into, into service and loyalty, and then there were the two A's. That what drove it was the availability of the product or the service or the salesperson. You, know, you get through on the phone. People are available and easy to get hold of. And accuracy, what you say will happen, happens. And I think that is increasingly what what um you know people people want to happen and you know we also did an episode for the sales chat show around how difficult are you making it for customers to spend money with you and it's amazing sometimes the barriers businesses put between themselves and their customers like your example from earlier by well if you want to meet us come and see us they kind of go okay well, if your competitor goes, oh, that sounds great then. So, so should we get a date in the diary to meet up and take this to the next stage? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. When would you like me to come and see you? You know who's going to get the business. You know, you, yeah, and, and I think there, there is a principle of, you know, if the customer does come to you, that's a good qualification. It shows they're interested and then there may be a place for that. You know, you may want them to come and see your premises, see your warehousing, see your logistics function as part of the buying process and certainly if they take the time and trouble to come and see you i think that's a very good sign that this is a this is a potentially a good opportunity however i think that's very different to just a default there's you know come and see us yeah and, and certainly that could become a part of the process you know after the first conversation or after the first meeting you know, we'd love you to come and see our what, whatever it might be if that's the kind of business you're running um ease of use is something i talk about a lot at the moment and it's uh, you know because we 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 talk about availability and and action and doing as you say you're going to, which is you know, it's a bugbear of mine. I mean, why wouldn't you do what you say you're going to do? But you know, plenty of businesses don't. Um, but that being being giving great value and being very easy to work with, especially in a world where you know the competition are a click away. Um, you know, it's the the barriers to entry to market are, are much smaller in lots of industries than they used to be. Um, and just being easy to work with is something yeah. that, that I think people forget. Well, we, I've, I found out, um, you know, at an organization I, I uh, have a, a collaborative business relationship with, um, when, we, when we do pitches, we will always do win-loss reviews. 
you know, mm-hmm. if, if you win a business, if you win a piece of business, you ask them why why they chose you know why they chose you if you don't you get deselected um you know why didn't you what did we do wrong what wasn't so good it's a pretty painful pretty painful process but it's a very important learning process mm-hmm. and it's amazing how often the comment like you're you 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 are easy to work with particularly with repeat business will come yeah. out you know you just you you understand us you're easy to work with and you're kind of thinking I thought you chose us because of some sexy dynamic kind of thing, you know. And actually, they're, they're just going, no, you guys are really easy to work with. You just, you know? you just get on with it, and it's great. Yeah, you do. yeah. Oh, three, I think three, three times in a row, uh, we heard, yeah, we like your flexibility. Yep. And it, it literally, you hear it the first time, and you go, okay, we're flexible. You hear it the second time, and you go, that's interesting. That's the second time that's been said. And then the third time, it was a very emphatic, you know, you're far more flexible than the, than the others, the, the, your, your competitors. And you're thinking, ah, now that's interesting. That's three times we've heard that, which I think leans through to where the world's going. Is And I saw uh, Neil Rackham, Neil, uh, many people know Neil as the, the author of the very classic book, Spin, Spin Selling, mm-hmm. which is like yeah. the first solution, consultative. And I've had the, I've had the pleasure of um, uh, seeing Neil and meeting Neil a couple of times through an organization okay. called the Sales Performance Association. And um, uh, he was talking at uh, uh, one session around the the gap is widening. Uh, so a, a continuum of transactional selling over on the sort of left-hand side of the continuum across mm-hmm. to full customization across the right-hand side. And he, his view was the middle was disappearing. So business right. is either going transactional, which is kind of the Amazon-style online purchasing, or mm-hmm. people want full customization. They don't just want a bit of a tweak. Yeah. They want things customized. And that may be why we were here, because flexibility, the client says, you know, we have a sales process. Could you incorporate you know, our sales process within the training you'll be providing? And kind of go, yes, of course. Yeah. You know, no yeah. problem. Well, that, in fact, that would, be, that would be stupid not to. But we are aware we've had competitors who say, no, we have, our, we have our approach, we have our intellectual property, and we want to use that. You're kind mm-hmm. of going, well, hang on, who's the customer here? You know. <laughs> exactly. You know. Oh, I love it. I love it when I come up against people who've got a rigid approach. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, thank God for that. You're uh, you're out the out the curve. But you also you mentioned something before, which I thought was quite interesting. You said they understand us. Isn't that the key to a great relationship with a client? Hundred percent, and it starts right from the first meeting. I um, I think there's a video on my YouTube channel. You know, the worst question a salesperson can ask. It used to be the mm-hmm. best question. It's now the worst question. And the question is, you know, Mister or Mrs. Customer, please tell me about your business, or please tell me about your organisation. And it's kind yeah. of like, no, you tell me about it, because really. Yeah. You, you, you know, we've got a Wikipedia page, we've got a website, and, you know, and you're coming in going, so, so tell me about your business. No, you, you know, I'm not saying you have to know everything, but... You know. No, but it's it's so easy. To, we we start. I think we've almost gone back to where we started about the ease of research. You know, I remember yeah. going to see clients when I was a, a very young recruiter a long, long time ago, and I'd phone to London office and get them to print out the Reuters screen and fax the detail to me so I could yeah. have a look at them. Yeah, you know, it's uh, <laughs> you just you just open up a web page and find out whatever you want, don't you? Well, it, it's it, it got me that that approach got me my first big great job in sales working for Whitbread. Uh, I mentioned uh-huh. earlier being you know very professional FMCG business. Um, well, they were then they they sold off those bits and now now a slightly different business. But mm-hmm. 
I I went to the local business library before I went for the interview and and went in the you know Kelly's business directory and photocopied yeah. the profile of the you know and halfway through the first interview this really tough gritty sales director was out you know quite a high confrontational style of interview you know uh-huh. and he said so what do you know about us you know yeah. <laughs> and I reeled off this sort of start and he, and he and for about a minute or two and he said you seem to know a lot about us. And I got my folder with me and I got it out and I started putting the paper on the desk in front of him. And I said, I've been to the library and I've done my research, you know, yeah. and I, this is what I know about you. That's why I'm serious about coming to work for you. And I've been to talk to some of your customers about, you know, I've been to some local outlets and asked them a few questions. And he went, very interesting. You said, you'll be hearing from us. You Fabulous. know, and, and yeah. that was just a lucky, I guess, just, I'm just so fortunate. I thought of doing it, you know, Oh, I don't know. I think thinking about your client and and taking the effort makes a big difference, doesn't it? And taking, you know, you're going to a, a library is a hell of an effort. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you know, that was kind of if you wanted to find something out, that's what you did. Uh, now, yeah, yeah. you know, then now there is just zero excuse. Sorry, you know, yeah. it's just not acceptable. And I have never, when we do key account management workshops or or sales strategy workshops or whatever, and we get people to do live research on their clients. They mm-hmm. always, we give them an hour, they always discover a ton of stuff they didn't know and they always discover one or two or more things to go in and have a sales conversation around that might be a sales opportunity. So, yeah. you know, do your research. Do your research. Perfect spot to, to finish the conversation, Simon. I'm afraid we're running out of time. Um, but thank you so much. So many great thoughts there. How do people get in touch with you, Simon? What's the, what's the best way? And obviously, I, I, please don't forget to mention the podcast and how they get to listen to that. Yeah, sure. So so my main website is um, www.simonhazeldean.com, S-I-M-O-N-H-A-Z-E-L-D-I-N-E. It's pronounced mm-hmm. Dean phonetically, but it's spelled D-I-N-E.com. And then my email address is simon at simonhazeldean.com. Also on Twitter, at simonhazeldean, and people find me on on LinkedIn and yeah our, our podcast that I do with uh, Graham Jones and Phil Jessen is Sales Chat Show saleschatshow.com we recorded our 100th episode uh, last week so there's a pretty big library thank you yeah it's a pretty big library of past episodes so if you we cover all sorts of stuff on sales sales management sales leadership etc fabulous and one last thought simon what what's the the golden nugget the one thing you'd like to leave people with a thought for the listeners to to go away and do something better in their business today yeah i think it, we've i think i've already mentioned it is do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it and so if you say i'm going to give you a call back at four o'clock and if you haven't got the information still give them a call back at four o'clock and say hey james i said i would give you a call at four i'm still waiting to get hold of the information i just wanted to let you know we're still working on it give them that sense of certainty and comfort and that's also how you build your reputation fabulous simon thank you so so much it's been great chatting to you my my pleasure the pair of us coughing and spluttering a little bit (laughs) apologies to your your listeners for for that so uh, well, I hope you feel better, Simon. I'll talk to you very soon. Yeah, excellent. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of The Only One Business Show, and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Hold up. 
Bye for now.